This is the 7-Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. All right, hello and welcome. Uh, this is Josh Nelson. I want to welcome you to another episode of the 7-Figure Agency Podcast. Uh, right now, you're, you're tuning in to one of our agency success interviews where we interview successful agencies from across the country on how they've grown and scaled their, their agencies. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Bill Crawford. Uh, Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This will be great. So, Bill, if I, if I understand correctly, you're at about $73,000 a month of recurring revenue on, on pace to get to, to 83 or to, to a million by the end of the year? That's right. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, if you're excited to hear from Bill, kind of how he's grown, how he's scaled, how he's continued to take his digital marketing agency to the next level, give me a like, give me a share, give me a yes, give me some type of engagement in the comments. That way we can get this out into cyberspace. So I guess, Bill, to, to kick things off, tell us a little bit about your agency, what niche you're in, kind of you know what your business looks like today. For sure. So it, my company name here is Rainmaker for Contractors. So before this, I owned a basement waterproofing company. For 15 years, thus the name Rainmaker, because waterproofers love rain, right? And let's see, you know, as a franchise owner in the waterproofing business, I was always just trying to figure out uh, better ways to do things, right? So did a lot of lead generation and just kind of fell in love with the internet marketing, got really good at it, sold my business, uh, opened this company up 13 years ago, brought someone with me. He's still with me after 13 years. And let's see. So, yeah, we, we serve basement waterproofing companies throughout the United States. So it's uh, it's getting sales reps in the door. Um, I think some of the core values that have really, as I reflected on this, some of the core values that have really helped is like, uh, you know, doing the right thing, um, maximizing the return on investment for the customer, uh, constantly innovating and improving. Uh leave your ego at the door, you know, don't bring that to work and believe in, believe in your client's dreams. Those kind of values have really just kind of pushed the company. I love it. So it sounds like you had a waterproofing business, sold it. What prompted you to go into a, a marketing agency or into digital marketing in general? Uh, just, you know, quite honestly, the love for it. Um, when you have a lot of employees at one time, I mean, we typically ran about 40 employees, but at one time we're up to uh, 55 employees at, at one time. So it's this constant, constant like lead generation, like a, a million mailers a month, a canvassing department, telemarketing, infomercials, on and on and on. Um, you're running every, you know, 25 shows a year. You're running every lead source. And for someone that's done the hustle of, you know, setting up shows, taking them down, hiring and firing in a phone room and canvassing, going out with canvassers, to be able to sit in front of a monitor and like run Google ads and like do local SEO and have these phone calls coming inbound and a person's like highly interested in your services. Wow. Like what a game changer. That's just huge. So it makes you appreciate like the power of the internet and to be able to run ads that really pull people in. Oh, I mean that I just fell in love with the whole concept of internet marketing. You know, the other thing is um, like always trying to improve things when, when you run a franchise uh, and you own a franchise, you have the liability of it. 
and you've agreed to run the franchise according to the franchise rules. It's just how it is. Um, so when you own your own agency, it was this total freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. So we're always still to this day, you know, that this industry changes all the time. So we're always kind of, you don't want to jump on the, the buzz and the hype, right? And like, oh, that's not going to lead anywhere. But at the same time, you have to constantly improve and you have to be on the cutting edge of everything. So it's, um, I'm just so passionate about it. It's the value that we're able to bring to customers that we can figure this stuff out for them and that I understand their business. You know, when I'm, when I'm talking to a prospect, like we were onboarding someone yesterday and I'm able to ask those really in-depth questions that are really important to waterproofers, you know, like, how many times do you sell a four wall job? Because sometimes waterproofers only going to sell, you know, the cheaper version. This, the, the, so I'm just able to bring in a lot of insight into uh, into my job from my basement waterproofing company into this niche. So that's been a lot of fun. Love it. So, so you grew this successful waterproofing business. You sold it. You realized you had really had a passion for marketing websites, SEO, pay per click, lead generation, and you're like, hey, why don't I start a business? you know, doing this, right? And that, and that was kind of the business you started after you sold your original waterproofing company. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, you know, the last two years that I owned the waterproofing company, I came in to do internet marketing and I kind of knew like early on that gentleman that's still working with me, I told him, oh, by probably over a year and a half before we opened, I said, Hey, we're going to have an internet marketing business. And, you know, sure enough, it wasn't. And oddly enough, the very first customer that we had is the franchisor because he said like, Hey, uh, Oh, I said it was a, just a typical phone call, uh, super involved with all the other locations. And, and I said, Oh, by the way, you know, who's ever doing your internet marketing is not doing a very good job. And I was just about to like hang up the phone. He said, Hey, hang on a second. What do you mean by that? And, you know, we got talking. I'm like, well, I'm looking at your Google ads and looking at your SEO and your website. And like they had three different companies doing it. No one was working together. And like, there's obvious room for improvement. And at the time, you know, I'm doing a hundred internet leads a month for my location as a basement waterproofing company. And like the next best location was maybe doing like seven or eight leads a month. So I obviously figured something out. So I started getting hired by first the franchisor and then several other franchisees as a basement waterproofing company. And I was like, this is way more fun. When you, when you own a waterproofing company, you're, you're sending in, you know, 20, 25 year old kids into nicely finished basements with a jackhammer um, to open up floors and a little risky, a little scary some days. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes break water lines and wreck paneling and drywall for sure. And you're hauling out concrete, you know, it's a, and then the, you know, you didn't pull the right permit or, you know, it's just, it's, it's, this is a, yeah, I'm super excited about internet marketing still, you know, after 13 years. So unreal. So it sounds like your journey was was like as good as it gets, right? So you built a successful business, you saw success, and then you said, I'm going to take what I've learned here and apply it to, to this niche. And so choosing the niche for you was pretty simple, right? It's like you already worked in that niche. Did you decide right out of the gates, I'm going to focus on uh, basement uh, waterproofing companies? Or was it just um, kind of like, I'm going to do an internet marketing company, and it was almost like an afterthought? All right. So I definitely, you know, thousand percent basement waterproofing was the thing. But I did... I did kind of say, hey, like I could help anybody, right? And I did have a, a storefront in the, um, you know, suburb of Chicago, 50,000 people in there on a main street. So decent amount of walk-in traffic and saw all sorts of weird businesses. 
the downside to not like picking a niche, uh, going deep, building authority is, you know, when these people would walk in and honestly, like the strangest businesses you can imagine is sometimes signing non-disclosures for, you know, an idea that you're kind of rolling your eyes. Um, is this even going to work anywhere? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 But you know, it's like, all right, you know, I'll listen, I'll listen. Um, you got to figure it out. Right. And you got to really, really invest heavily into that industry and all right, who are the leaders? What are they doing? Why is this working? Uh, it's just game changing that when every single person on your staff is doing the same exact thing and your systems get so much more efficient, that you're able to just blow away the competition that's trying to sell to, you know, anyone that's willing to pay them money. It's, it's definitely game changing. And when I joined a seven figure agency, I think it was about, I'm going to say two years and four months. Um, there's a couple key things that I picked up. One was, you know, definitely go deep in your, in your niche. And I, I did that. And so I started saying no to other projects and other, other jobs. And then the other really important one was say no to any one-off projects. You know, why? Because they just, they suck your time and you're trading dollars for hours and it's not going anywhere. So those are kind of two, two big levers at the beginning that I'm like, okay, I got to embrace these. So that, that was really helpful. If you add the point to a third, because I think if we go back, I think when you started, you were at about 50-ish in, in monthly recurring revenue. And, you know, you've kind of gone to 73 on your pace to 83. Like, what would be another one that helped to kind of accelerate the revenue growth? I'm a fan of, all right, so, you know, it, when you join some period agency, like you're fire host with like a lot of ideas. And it's not just like, oh, we'll give you some of the good secrets. It's like, right, we're giving you all the secrets and we're going deep. Uh, and you get to implement it. And the better you are at implementing the more successful you're going to be, you know, speed of implementation is, is absolutely critical. So not every lever that I pulled worked right away. Um, I, I had struggles with the cold calling method and reaching out and making videos for people that was fairly time consuming. It didn't work that well. I am a fan and I was able to pick up some clients by recording some video testimonials, just like eight to 12 minutes of some of the best customers that you know they're just gonna say this company's amazing and bill's amazing and that the team is so awesome so i did a couple of those and then we just shrunk them and just took the highlights and made them into like 45 to 60 second videos and we ran those on facebook and so you know facebook's great at targeting whoever you want to right and so when those people those waterproofing contractors they're either frustrated or feel they're getting mediocre results from an agency and they come across a video and this, this waterproofer who they're respecting because it's not an agency trying to sell them this established waterproofer is saying, man, you got to go with this one agency. That's a, that's swinging a door open for sure. And we definitely picked up some clients from, from running that and we're still running that ad today. So there's so my kind of a, the case study builder approach, find those good clients, yeah. interview them, and then you've been able to feature them like through Facebook ads, get people into the top of your funnel, onto the calendar, pre-positioned to buy. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the word pre-positioned. Boy, I think how you enter a relationship in the sales process is like absolutely critical. Like if you're entering in from a cold call and they don't know who you are and you're trying to establish authority, you're really not that different than the 10 other emails that they just received in the last month or two. 
But when you're when you're coming in as a referral, as a oh wow, I saw your book. Oh, you know this other waterproofer highly recommended you. Like that's just coming. So now your closing percentage, your authority is it's it's totally different. It's much higher percentage that you're going to close that lead. Love it. Powerful, powerful stuff. So, so obviously the, the choosing of the niche part for you was, was you already had experience. You kind of made that foray. You were already kind of working with the franchise. Um, if you had to think back to like the first handful of clients you got within the niche, did it come from that channel or what was it that worked for you to get those first seedling of clients in the, in the niche? Well, that was when I was, um, that was when I owned the waterproofing company and yes, they were waterproofing contractors and mm. it's because I spent my own money learning the internet. Um, I didn't experiment with someone else's and I hired the best, most expensive coaches, uh, that I could find. Like this literally happened. I had, I had a couple of friends who knew Perry Marshall and I had been meeting with these guys once a week, just four of us kind of had a small group going. And they, they would say, go meet with this guy, go meet with him. And I'm like, no, the internet, you know, back then I said, the internet doesn't apply to my industry. Like people looking for waterproof, they don't go to like the internet. Yeah, no, not and at so, all. Yeah, right, right. So, you know, <laughs> once like the light bulb went off in my head and like, hey, maybe. So I, I went to uh, a store that's closed, but it was my all-time favorite store, Borders Bookstore, similar to Barnes and Noble. Mm, yeah. And I, I stumbled across the the internet marketing books, right? And my my heartbeat went so high i couldn't stand still so i would i would do laps around the bookstore because i was standing in front of here and i was like i i have to know what's in these books i have to do this i have to figure out internet marketing so, so you bought all the google cool. ads books and the seo books and you started studying and researching yes, and yes like i gotta do this i gotta do this so, you know, I, I walked out that first day with like five books and I ended up hiring within 48 hours. I ended up getting into like Perry Marshall's like, you know, funnel where he's going to keep selling me things and I'm going to pay more and I get more coaching. Um, and, you know, I just I got really good at it. So my first customers um, were in the basement waterproofing and they were the franchisor and the franchisees, but they saw what I was doing. I read an article a long time ago in this business and it said, you can grow your agency two different ways. One is to increase the quality of work, which will create more referrals. And that's the method that I took. And the other one is to increase the quantity through like advertising and so on. So for a long time, I largely just focused on, I'm just going to do the best possible internet marketing that I could do. We're going to be committed to learning and growing and, you know, just modeling like good quality work and they're going to tell their friends. And so up until the time that I joined seven figure agency, that largely was our model with the exception of I, for 13 years, I've always been heavily involved with our industry association. And that, you know, if there was a fourth that I were to add, I would say it's involvement in, in the association that I've been involved with. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds like initially it was research, figure out how Google works, figure out how to generate leads online for yourself. Then how do I get even better at delivering that for, for other clients in the, in the industry? Um, and it was like really just focus on how do I deliver this at the best possible level, to deliver the best results and like build a better mousetrap and people will find their way to your door. Yes, absolutely. And create referrals by doing like high quality work. Right. And the fact yeah. that you were already known in the industry and you were already part of the association that like 
the word that, oh, this guy, Bill, from Rainmaker, knows what he's doing. You should talk to him. And that yeah, led to more and more clients referring you and more and more clients coming on board. That's right. That's right. Love it. So let's talk. I'd love to, to kind of hear a little bit about how you package your, your, your service. Like what, what is it that you do for your clients? How do you charge? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Sure. So we are a full service digital marketing agency, right? And, it, you know, it's funny when uh, I, I've been to Google headquarters a few times uh, with some other agencies. And, you know, the first couple of times we were there, it's like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And it's like pretty much everyone in the room is a full service digital marketing agency, right? Like there's no surprises there after about five of those conversations. So, you know, yes, we'll take over their website and usually rebuild the website, make sure it's high converting website because our focus is lead generation, right? And, and um, get the right SEO in there. And high emphasis on local SEO. I'm a huge fan of maximizing the client's return on investment. And I think there's always some good low hanging fruit when you do a great job with local SEO. And we do the call tracking and they could measure their ROI and play the calls. And um, so then we'll do social media. We're really efficient on social media. I like to not paint huge expectations with, with social um, under promise over deliver. So I, I tell them, you know, don't expect leads from just our post. Now, if we're going to do paid ads for social, that's a different program. But if you just, you know, hey, so-and-so does a great job, you know, you're not going to get a lot of leads out of that one. And, uh, you know, we'll tie in link building, citation work, content, blogs, press releases. We're pretty much doing the whole gamut. And then, so, so it's website, SEO, pay-per-click, social media, paid ads, Tracking, yep, email adds. marketing. What, like, what do you charge for that? So it starts at two thousand, uh, and depending on the client's goals, or depending on how many, like, some of the clients that we have will have um, multiple services, um, and they're they want to do different things. Like, some people will dabble into mold remediation, mold restoration, in addition to basic waterproofing. Some are really emphasizing foundation repair. So when you get into foundation repair, that could be anything from crack repair to a, a carbon fiber material that's going to strengthen the wall to beams into peering. And so there's different levels of that. So kind of depending on where their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish, and it could be all the way up to like five or $6,000 per month. Yeah. So somewhere between two and $5,000 per month, depending upon their services, depending upon what they need from you. Um, and then what's the average waterproofing project worth? You know, what's the average? All right. So that's going to vary between that gets to the, that gets to the question of like, Hey, how many of these jobs are you selling all four walls on? So let's say it's a four wall job. That's going to vary between 10 and $22,000. Okay. So they only need a couple of jobs to more than justify the expense. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Very and you know, cool. We know Google Ads gets expensive, right? Uh, as hard as we work in our in our agencies, Google and Facebook, they're getting a nice chunk of change. Um, I, I always think when someone's putting too much money into Google Ads and they're not balancing that out with SEO and local SEO, they're really missing opportunities. Because when you talk about a return on investment, you know, I was trained as a waterproofer in the franchise world very much as you know, what are you spending and then what are you paying per lead and what is your cost percentage divided by net sales? 
So we're generally in, you know, it's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly reports, really, really granular and detailed. So we're measuring everything. So I brought that mindset to my business. And then when, so when you look at local SEO and organic, gosh, there's just so many leads that could be generated from that. And oddly enough, too many clients have this mentality of like, oh, I've got to throw, I've got to throw more money at Google ads. I've just got to, and, and I'm like, okay, well, you got to balance that with local SEO because there's, there's great returns for local SEO. No doubt. Yeah. Same, same thing. I, I'm a big believer. You want to diversify that service offering where, you know, maybe the, the Google ads generate some great results right out of the gates, but you've also got the long tail of the getting the website ranked, getting it ranked on Google maps and starting to blend that with SEO and paid. And then you start working their existing database. When you combine those three with retargeting and some other things, you can really generate a consistent return on investment for the client, which is really what they want, right? They want to know they can spend a dollar and they're going to get a return and it's going to continue to grow. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Love it. So you mentioned a couple, you know, a couple things you did to study, to learn Google ads and to learn SEO. What were some of the best? I, I'm a big fan of Perry Marshall. What were some of the best books or resources that you used to kind of form the strategy for the service that you deliver? So this is going back. So the world's changing. <laughs> <You're like, right? laughs> uh, you know, I think webinars, you know, enrolling in courses and learning from others, obviously. I mean, this isn't something that you go to a college. I mean, you actually now you can like colleges just to kind of survive. Like they are offering, you know, courses in digital marketing. Actually, I either hired or tried to hire a guy who had his MBA in like digital marketing. And I was like, so what really like what was it like walk me through the curriculum? And it was he had a business degree undergrad and then he had, he took like four or five like classes. You know, one was Google ads, one was social media. And I was like, all right. And you have your MBA in digital marketing. Uh, but anyway, Form, yeah, form right, right. is practically yeah. useless. Yes. Like you've got to have that experience. Right. So it was largely webinars. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned speed of implementation, how important that is. So I'm, I can be a little bit of a, an analyst and a thinker. And so I mentioned that gentleman that came from Basement Waterproof and we'd watch these webinars together and I would take like three, four or five pages of notes in the hour long webinar. And at the end, he'd flip his laptop around. And he said, I just kind of implemented as they went. And I'm pretty sure this is what they, they did. And he would do that over and over again. I was like, dang, I have all the notes to be able to do that. You just did it. So for me to surround myself with people that implement quickly, you know, that's been really helpful. So webinars is really helpful. You know, I bought those books initially and it's like books are slow to, to implement. Right. And so that's when I just reach out to these people. I said, you just got to show me. And we all learn. We learn differently. So I think we got to honor the, the fastest way that we learn. So for me, it was it was, it was webinars in applying this stuff. And quite honestly, I felt a lot of freedom to um, when I owned the waterproofing company, I had quite a marketing budget so I could afford to hire the best. Um and to experiment with my own money with like no shame or guilt remorse because I knew it was an investment and it, it worked quite well. So, yeah. Love it. Love it. So kind of you think about the hierarchy of education, right? At the very bottom, you get some books, you get some resources, maybe you read some blog posts and you see what's going on. Um, and that's going to get you some information uh, on the top of the hierarchy is go find those people that wrote those books and hire them like you did with Perry. Like, how do I get direct access to the information to learn as quickly as I can to shortcut this process and get to speed of implementation as quickly as possible? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Very cool. Very you know, cool. if I could throw this out, I um, this happened on Friday. I got paid one of the biggest compliments that I probably all year. And I really think it's a reflection of the the folks that I run with in seven figure agency. Because he said, uh, he said, hey, I'm going to I'm about to negotiate price with you. And what I'm going to say right now is probably not going to help my cause. But he said, I've been talking to seven different digital marketing agencies and you by far have way more knowledge and passion uh, head above shoulders than any other agency that I've talked to. And, you know, in the groups that I run and I don't consider myself one of the knowledge gurus. Right. I, I go to them to learn. Um, passion, you know, I'm really passionate about it, but I kind of feel like our whole club is like super passionate about it. But getting back to knowledge, it's because we share so many secrets with each other. And it's like an unlimited amount of information that no one can know everything and apply everything, but it's very accessible. And then everyone is like really generous to share this stuff. So I was reflecting on that and uh, I appreciate the compliment, but uh, to me, it's really a, a reflection. There's that saying that says you are like that, you know, five or 10 people that you hang with. Um, that compliment is really a reflection of the people that I hang out with in seven figure agency. That's awesome. Yeah. That, and that's super cool. Right. And, and the fact that you have the background in the industry, you're such a student of the game, you're in a community where you're all around all, all the really successful agency owners that are sharing. It makes you so much more compelling to the prospects that would want to do business in your in your niche. Yes, absolutely. Yep. That's awesome. So let's let's shift gears. We, we've learned a little bit about your niche. We've learned a little bit about kind of your backstory and how you got into it. We we know kind of what you're bringing to the table and what you charge. Talk a little bit about how you're landing clients. So you've grown to 73,000 mm. plus in monthly recurring revenue and you kind of have this this steady, you know, clip going with your growth. What's working best for client acquisition these days? Well, I would say you know, if we're focusing client acquisition, acquisition without the churn, uh, that's a race. And so our churn has always been extremely low. And my favorite thing is if a client leaves us and they come back, which yeah. I really think that 50% of the clients that have ever left us have come back. And that's wow. a beautiful thing. And, you know, we've not had someone leave a, a second time. Nice. Um, so keeping the churn low, and that means, you know, doing the right thing, doing the highest quality work, committing to like customer service. I'm shocked at how many digital marketing agencies like don't prioritize their customers. Like when a customer reaches out to you and you can't get that call or respond to that email, like you gotta, you gotta get back to them and help them and do everything you can. Um, so let's start there. Like what, what are some of the key things that have worked best for you for like, how do you retain that high of a level of your client base and get some mm -hmm. of them to come back? Well, I think, um, all right. So as far as coming back, you know, one of the things I realized is uh, how committed we are to customer service. Gosh, one gentleman left, he was paying us $2,000 and he had been gone for like way too long, probably three years. And he was paying $7,000 and I reviewed the work that he was getting and it was like ridiculous. Like he would have gotten way more work from us at 2000. And I said, like, you know, why did you leave? What we're friends. And he says, um, he said, well, they had promised me uh, to measure my ROI so that I knew exactly if I'm spending these dollars, I know exactly where that lead is coming in. Back then, we didn't have some of the uh, dialed in features that we have now. And that was attractive to them. But, you know, it was just kind of a sales pitch. And it wasn't, uh, I mean, they still not, they didn't really figure it out 
the first place. But anyway, so he came back at, you know, 2000, even though he's paying 70, he's going to get way more work. We're just kind of reconnecting with him. Um, But then also, gosh, I think too many digital marketing agencies just make poor choices. When you listen to these clients and they'll say they did this, they did this, I, I, leave a voicemail and I don't hear back from them for three days. It's like, wow, like how much, what do we say in seven figure agency? The number one reason why people leave is perceived indifference. Yeah. So you talk, I hear that. I see that expressed over and over again with disgruntled clients that are considering coming back to us or just that want to jump on board with us in the first place, perceived indifference. Mm. So like to me, that's half the battle, just like caring and trying to do the right thing. And then let's doing everything you can to um, deliver results. You know, ultimately they want leads. Like you could have the coolest reporting system in the world, but ultimately we have to put their sales reps in, in my industry. We have to put their sales reps in front of customers and they want the best return on investment. And the more that we could do that, we could help with their profitability and then they're happy. And if you keep doing that, there's no reason why someone's going to want to leave. Like, do they really want to risk all that and go with someone else that might like undermine all that? So we're just committed to constantly innovating, doing the right thing. You know, here's another thing is you, you never want your client to say, you know, I was talking to my other contractor buddies and like, they're getting this service. Do you guys do that? It's like, you, you know, you can't come back with like, well, yeah, we kind of looked at that. That doesn't make that much sense. But the conversation they had with their buddy is they're killing it with this new thing. And so we have to be on the front edge of things, not chase every single hype thing out there by no means, but we have to be constantly innovating and delivering results and and doing everything we can there. I love it. So it sounds like being responsive and proactive, right? Really just being like when they email, when they call, paying attention, really caring about the client and being passionate about the results that they get um, and kind of being forward thinking, Hey, here's where we're headed next. Here's what we're going to be bringing to the table. Um, it's funny. I asked the question on how you land clients and you immediately said, you know, for me, it's more, I want to make sure I'm, I've got a great arm around the existing clients I have and that I don't have to land as many clients, right? Cause I'm actually keeping the clients that I get. Yeah, absolutely. But let um, me, uh, let me, let me give you one. Um, that I think is underutilized. And that is uh, involvement in your association. And I encourage a lot of people to get involved with their association and to volunteer. So our association is smaller. There's probably 165 members. Some of these, like the radon folks have over a thousand members. Hmm. So, you know, you're not going to be able to, in typical industry, you're not going to be able to jump on the board of directors, right? You're going to have to volunteer and you're going to have to work your way up to those positions of influence. And so he's talking but about every the, industry. the associations in your niche. So we work with plumbing right. companies. He's like, go find the plumbing association. If you work with painting contractors, go find the painting association. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, keep going. No, there. thank you for that. Absolutely. Yep. So every industry has an association, you know, get involved and volunteer time. And you might think, oh, I don't have time for that but it's worth it because business happens through relationships and you get to meet people and boy, you know, if that's your niche niche, um, you know, those are the shoulders you want to rub with it. It's really powerful. So we continue to get business from our association. And then I do buy now, since I've, since I've joined seven figure agency, I buy more of these, but in our industry and many others in our association, 
at the conferences, you could either buy a booth or in, in our association, we could buy five or 10 minutes of speaking time and get a booth. And that's a great opportunity to kind of give your sales pitch. And our, our contractor members really enjoy that because they get to learn like what's out there. And that's part of the reason why they go to the association events anyway, just to keep up to date and to stay current with all the different services that are being out there. So over the years, we've picked up several um, clients, just not, not so much even pitching them or buying the list from the association and hammering them with, with emails, just through relationships. And they get to know you and trust you and like you. And it's like, hey, what are you doing for internet marketing? Do you think you could help us? And that's how we've gotten a lot of clients. Love it. So for kind of being present in the association, that's kind of, again, looking at layers, right? You could just join the association and put the logo on your site. You could exhibit at the events and kind of be an exhibitor. What Bill's talking about is actually getting like actively involved, figuring out, hey, how can I participate? How can I you know, be in part of these boards and help set up the planning and be like an insider in these organizations, as opposed to just being an outsider that's, that's prospecting into the, into the list. Exactly. Yep. Love it. And so it's, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're kind of, you're, you're volunteering, but you're also investing in it, right? Cause you're going there and you've got the booth and you're investing in the opportunity to speak. Uh, what other ways do you market to the industry association that's been productive for you? Well, because I have 15 years in the business, um, like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, there's a few guys that asked me to, to coach them or mentor them in basement waterproofing because I had kind of the franchise training and there's a lot of independence. Um, I called my buddy and he said, gosh, it's odd that, you know, I've kind of got the same thing. Like who mentioned you? And they were different people. And he said, well, why don't we just do a, like a sales training conference like two or three times a year? And so we do, we've been doing a sales training conference and it's not super well attended. Um, it's anything from 10 to 25 people that come to our conferences. And now we're getting sponsors just because over the years, we've gotten to know the sponsors and distributors of the, of the industry and association. So that's, you know, to me, that's another way of like hanging out with them. You have a meal together while you're there. You might go out at nighttime and that's how business happens. So you know, that's one way that we've, um, been able to kind of leverage the association. We really only market that event to uh, members of the association. Um, let's see. I love that idea, by the way, for, you know, for, for all of you guys in your niches, trying to figure out, you know, once you've gone as deep as you can in the niche, and let's say, you know, if they've got great events and you can plug into that and you've got a lot of attention, that's awesome. But there's a lot of power in running your own live events educating through your own life because then you can control the narrative, you can control the message and you can really bring on a lot of clients in one fell swoop. Um, Bill from yeah. SMB team is doing that in legal and it's just had of explosive growth. Um, so I, I love that idea and I love that you're, you're doing that. Um, would be interesting, you know, to look at maybe promoting even outside of the association because there's only a hundred and change in there. If you could go to the entire industry and say, Hey guys, come learn how the most successful you know, waterproofing companies are growing and scaling and, you know, you get a bit much bigger group there. I think that'd be an interesting play for you. I do. I do. You know, it's a pretty small, it's a pretty small niche. Um, it doesn't really fit the qualifications for what seven figure agency says to, to pick a niche. Uh, it's supposed to be bigger, but you know, 
when you have 15 years of experience into into a niche and you had a decade of internet marketing, it's like it's not really the right time to just go. Hey, you know, I think I'll do like divorce lawyers or something. I don't know anyone. I just had way too many inroads for basement waterproofing. Um, but I, I would say, like, I'm really involved uh, in this right now. We are in in the association. We are. Um, changing management companies these associations like have a management company to kind of take care of things typically sometimes they're big enough to have their own staff and so there's about i don't know three or four of us that are kind of taking on the management uh there's we've hired uh one of the contractors has some extra employees but when you help when you're that involved like there's a lot there's hiring an accountant there's uh the whole infusion soft world that the association is on and training someone else to do that it, the emails are are daily and text they just go on and on and on but you know in a way i mean i'm actually for the for maybe a month or we'll see how far it goes i'm actually the person that returns all the phone calls for the association now there's not mm -hmm. that many but you know guess who gets to start the conversations with anyone looking into the association and i i bet you they need internet marketing now i'm not going to hit them up but they're going to get to know me and I'm going to get to know them. And we'll, you know, we'll see where that goes. No, like trust way early in the process. I love this idea of like, first of all, you're proving that you can, you can really grow in a seven figure agency, even in a very micro niche. Right. And sometimes the smaller niche where you've actually got authority, where you've actually got, you know, knowledge that you're bringing to the table can grow much quicker than a big niche where you're just a, a, a peon that doesn't really understand the space that doesn't have any powerful positioning. Um, I love this idea of really getting involved in the association, becoming part of it, you know, rather than just being on the outside and putting on your own content and your own training to kind of position yourself and, and land clients. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. So we've talked sure. about how you land clients. We've talked a little bit about retention. Let's talk a little bit about delivery, right? So, you know, we're working with lots of clients, providing lots of different services. What does your delivery model look like and, and kind of how do you manage the team to keep them productive and to keep up with the requirements of all these clients sure so we have formed a, a leadership team there's three of us um we have you know this is a seven-figure agency angle we have implemented eos entrepreneurial operating system as a way to manage the company as a way to do weekly meetings to kind of you know check different things we have scorecards in place. A scorecard is like a, a weekly report that everyone presents to say like, hey, here's my like three or maybe three things that I'm like responsible for. And I'm just kind of giving you an update. And we're able to kind of just briefly go through those. We're able to dream and say like, okay, this quarter, what do we want to accomplish? What do we accomplish in the year? So we use EOS for sure. Um, not everyone has a weekly meeting that does work for us. And then working on that we just started a, a weekly meeting with the new employee last week um let's see and you know we have really good employees that deliver we we tend to like to do a trial when we're having a new employee and we kind of mm -hmm. see how that goes um there's been talk about this you know sometimes when you hire someone for a job they they ask you know outrageous fees like they want you know 30 40 50 dollars an hour and they're overseas and you're scratching your head and you're looking at their jobs and you're realizing they've done every job for six to eight dollars an hour well i you know if you offer them weekly pay and weekly work 
that's number is going to change drastically. Like largely, if you pay someone $8 an hour overseas, they're just going to be thrilled. What they need is consistent work. So we've been able to um, kind of give people trials over sometimes even several months. And usually someone on our team would say like, hey, we're using this person. Like they're awesome. Like, can we get them on our team? Like, how do we hire this person? We're giving them so much work. So, um, you know, the key is, is with that, we are always thinking in terms of systems and scalability. Uh, another thing we picked up from seven figure agency is uh, a tool agency analytics, which gives someone 24 seven access to the reporting. We used to do reports by, by hand and it would take 45 minutes to do all the screenshots of all the work that we're going to do. And we realized that our, you know, well over 90% of our clients would never even look at that. And I realized I'm sure they would appreciate us putting those extra 45 minutes to an hour into their account instead right. of trying to prepare a, a shiny report for them. And then we actually found a better reporting tool that was just available 24 seven. Anyway, there's so many different little things like that, that help us with deliverability. Call tracking is something that we did not do then we knew it was there and we knew like the big dogs were doing that, but we just didn't put it all together. And then when we got the game plan from seven figure agency, we're like, okay, we could, we could do this. And then uh, we're using go high level and they're able to play their calls back through go high level and mark them if they're leads, if they want to. And it, it makes very much of a, a powerful uh, sales presentation. when you're able to show all these different things we've picked up um, local Vikings, geo grid, which so like you, you could track where somebody ranks as they drive around in their service area because they're going to rank differently, especially when they get further away from the location of their building. And that's a way to track to see how we're doing and where we need to improve and in what area we can uh, deliver better results. Um, in our, so I mentioned earlier on, we're using uh, EOS as a kind of a, management system in our level 10 meeting it, what gets prepared beforehand is what our clients are paying per lead and how many leads they've gotten and so we're really trying to anticipate like hey wait a minute this is going down or this is going up or you know this is good this is something so before it gets out of hand we're able to uh, tag that account and say we've got to prioritize this account that we need better results on this so we're able to really keep a good grasp on this. We, we gosh, um, every, I think it's once a month or it's no more than once a quarter, we do an audit of their Google search console and we make sure, so Google search console tells you where anything wrong, anything that might need fixing, there's a lot of messages in there. And so we'll go through the whole thing and we'll do a spread, a spreadsheet by hand. And then these, um, these fixes get assigned to our, to our clients. You know, what's interesting. I'm sure this is true with a lot of agencies. There's a, a ton of stuff that we do behind the scenes to make sure that the quality is there. And I'm sure the clients have no idea that this stuff is being done. You know, they just expect results, but uh, there's a lot of systems in place so that everything is covered. This is, you know, just going back to core values, like what's the right thing. I like to think in terms of this, if this were my company, what would I want to have done? on this account. And the difference is if you, you could ask that to a contractor, but they don't know what we know, but being an insider of an internet marketing. And if I owned a, like 
you know, in my business, a, a waterproofing company, what would I want applied on this? What are the best practices? What are, what kind of work do I want? And, and that's how I try to make the decisions. Does a client always know that? No. Do they, you know, but they pay us for results and they trust us. And um, that's how we execute here. I think that's a powerful insight. And we should all really, really be thinking along those lines, right? Like if this client was a partner, if you were a partner in that business and you own that business, would you do anything differently with how you structure the website, with how you structure the on-page, the off-page, the link building, the citations, the content, the the whole strategy? Pretend like it was your company and make sure that those are the types of decisions you're making on behalf of your clients. Because you know that authenticity, that care, that passion will carry forward to what the client's results are, as well as kind of how they perceive the value that you're bringing to the table. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Love that. Great stuff. Guys, yeah. if you have any questions, I know we've got a, a bunch of you guys watching live, post it in the comments if you have any questions for Bills at kind of as we as we come to the to the close here. Some great insights on how you're landing clients, how you've positioned yourself in the space. I know you recently published your book in the niche. Tell me a little bit about that and kind of what you're thinking about doing on those lines. Oh man, that was a project. I started that probably two years ago. And uh I I struggled with writing, so I I actually hired a writer and I probably got half of the book done by sending. So when I do a webinar, like I really want to own that. And I don't want to present anything in that webinar. That's not something that I do and that I really believe in. And this strategy works. And, and I know like if someone were to come on board, we would do that for them. So because I put so much time into those webinars, I was able to give those webinars to a writer. And I said, Hey, can you put this in like a readable chapter? And so that's probably how I got half of the book done. Um, the other chapters I either wrote myself and, you know, gave my pig Latin to the person that had to, you know, decipher it and make it readable. Um, or it was a combination of like, all right, I'm taking this, but I have to own it and adapt it. And this has to be ours. Uh, and our team helped as well. Like a couple of the guys in the leadership team, they kind of went through different things of like, all right, we got to change this. We should do that. So combination of all that, and it took a long time. You know, there's a couple of start and stops in there. Um, and then I did hire someone to do the cover and I, I didn't plan on this. I think the first photo on that book was, you know, my daughter just took a picture of me in the basement and then I ended up paying like 150 bucks to a professional photographer and, you know, made the cover look nicer. And so I finally got it published. Um, sales keep coming in and quality is more important to me than quantity. So I have not really promoted the book at all. It was fun though, to get the, it was the number one, uh, new books or I don't know. Number one, new release, new release for small, for small businesses. Wow. I did get that. And that was, Amazing. that was awesome. And part of it, I, you know, I probably picked up five, six or seven purchases from, seven figure agency and between family and friends and so on. You know, that's kind of what you do to promote these books. Yeah, I got that. So that was fun. I wanted to get that. Uh, but Number I'm not one, really in the small business category. Do you have it there that you can hold it up? Or is it? Is um, it no, don't, don't sweat it. It's all right. I, was, I, I thought know. maybe you had it like. I do. It's here somewhere. I should have been ready. <laughs> Some guys have it like right there the whole time. Yeah. You could be looking at it. <laughs> Congrats it's on somewhere. getting that done. That's in a your office. project for you. Yeah. I should have been ready for that one. 
No, no, not, not at all. So I, I would assume you, you've mailed this out to the association. So all the association members have a copy of it. No. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot of plays to put in motion for the book. Right. So yeah, I, a lot of it has not been done at all. All right. I, so, I am so sending it to now uh, the book is done. Let's, let's make sure we're leveraging it to the fullest you know, possibility. You know what I am doing, and I think it's powerful. I am sending it to prospects. So when, okay. you know, if they're talking to like three different companies, and you know they get my book, it's like, okay, this this person has a leg up already. And there's not a lot of other companies that are specializing in baseball waterproofing. There are some, but um, no one's got a book for this space. So that was good. First, first to get a book out. Amazing. So, so when they when they schedule in, you mail it, so they get it before the meeting, or how are how are the prospects getting it? It's usually after the presentation. Okay. So it's kind of in your hot lead follow-up process. They meet. Wow, Bill, this sounds great. Now they've got a copy of your book. They're like, oh, wow, this is like nobody else in, in this space That's has right. more experience. Exactly. Yep. I got I to pull it out. He's like, now I remember where it is. There it is. There it is. That's a nice, thick-looking, powerful book right there, man. All done. How many pages do I got? Something like 255 or something. Solid book. And so guys, like cool, cool hack that he shared, right? You could, you could swipe and deploy a book, or if you really want it to be yours, you could be a great writer and spend, you know, months writing it or like Bill did. He does his webinars consistently, promotes them, records them, has them transcribed. Those webinars then become the, the, the chapters that are very much in his voice that are very much congruent with what he believes. And so that book is going to be completely unique to him and completely congruent with what he's selling and how he positions himself in the marketplace, which I think is really cool. Yep. All right. So one last, so we do have a question. So we'll answer this one last question and then we'll, we'll have right. to recap. Painter, Painter Marketing Crew asks, do you have any advice for getting your first five clients? Well, I don't know exactly where you're at, but you know, you got to have a website that communicates that, Hey, this is my niche and I do painters and, Ideally, you're going to have one client that you have a case study and maybe you have a video from them and you want to put that on the front page. And then if you could take that video case study and run it through Facebook and maybe make a 45 to 60 minute video, that would be that would be a good one. If that person has referrals, that would be a good one. Uh, boy, in the you know, speed of implementation. So, you know, I don't know if you're in seven figure agency or not, but there's a whole bunch of ways to fill your funnel in the more you could like implement execute is this working is it not working if it's not working find the next one in the faster that you can implement the faster you're going to find your first five clients love it and and, and you know painter marketing i don't have your name here but i think we gave you was, was some great advice some of us are going to be more the cold outreach approach but you still want to have your website you still need to get at least one client in that niche that you knock it out of the park for. And so whether you, you get a discounted rate for that or you give it away, like go cut your teeth. Bill proved he knew what he was doing in basements and he did it for himself, right? If he wasn't doing it for himself, he'd go get a client and prove the value. And then with that one client that you've proven the value with, you go to others and say, hey, I worked with this painting contract, got him this result, would you like me to do it for you, right? And this is how much I'm gonna charge. That positioning is so much more powerful than just blind calling and like, hey, no, I don't have any case studies. I've never done it before, but I want you to pay me top dollar. Like that's really, really important to, to get that initial case study. Um, and then 
you know, you can either cold outreach, you know, if you can get a list and you can kind of follow some of those processes, or if you're more like you, you want to bring people to you, like Bill said, get a video of that client saying how good you did, put that on on Facebook, figure out ways to get clients to come to you pre-positioned to buy. Uh, Brooks, hopefully that was helpful. And the other thing Bill said that I think is really important, and Bill and I were talking about this before, is like a key thing we wanted to make sure landed on this interview, is like the, the process of, of accomplishment really is be clear on what you want, right? Set an intention. I want to build a, whatever, a seven-figure agency. Figure out why you want that. Like, why do I want to accomplish this? Is it because it's going to give me more freedom? Is it because I'm going to be able to buy that nice house? Get really clear on why. Take massive action, right? Be quick to implement. Take ideas. Start testing. Do the work. Make the calls. Do the outreach. Sit in BNI. Whatever it is that's going to work for you, take massive action. But then really pay attention to the feedback, right? What works for one agency doesn't work for every agency, right? And so the, the better you can be in tune with, this is what I tried. Okay, that didn't work for me. And try something else. That works for me. Okay, I'm going to do more of that. And really, like, have that closed feedback loop. You try, figure out what the response is, and continue taking massive action. That's really what's going to get you over the hump. Mm -hmm. you so know, maybe you can flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, the great ideas, Josh. Um, the only thing I would maybe add to that is maybe you lower your price for the first five just to kind of establish and you start getting your clients and start getting some reviews on your Google business profile. I mean, it, you, you get someone to believe in you and they're looking at maybe 2,500 versus maybe you go to 1,500 or something. It's going to be tempting. And then you pick up some more clients and then you start to scale a little bit and start to add your tools and you get more efficient. It's another common way to, to find your first five. 100%. Love it, love it, love it. Bill, great stuff. Lots of great insights here. Um, lots of you know, appreciation coming in in the comments. So kind of as we wrap up, if you had one piece of wisdom for that agency owner that's trying to get to the next level, um, what, would, what would that be kind of in, in closing? Massive action, no doubt. Speed of implementation and like love what you do as best you can. You know, find the areas that you're really passionate about. Have fun with it. Enjoy the journey. Learn to love learning and implement as much as you can, as quickly as you can. And hang out with people that you know that you want to be like, those kind of people. That will help. So good. Bill, thanks for being on here. Congratulations on your growth and success. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. It's awesome. Oh, thanks. man, thanks for your willingness to share. Guys, uh, be sure to tag Bill. Thank him for, for sharing today. He shares that of, out of his willingness to help others. So, Bill, appreciate your generosity of spirit. Um, if you'd like to hear other interviews like this with other successful agencies from across the country, be sure to go to sevenfigureagency.com um, and join the Agency Success Facebook group. It's free. Um, you can connect with Bill. You can connect with me. You can connect with 11,000 other agency owners from across the country at this point. And so be sure to, to engage. Be sure to connect. Be sure to ask questions. And we're here to help you and support you and celebrate you on your journey to Seven Figures and beyond in your, in your digital marketing agency. So that's it for today. Bill, thanks again. And thanks, Josh. we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.